Welcome to Labor's Schoolhouse. My name is Angelica Santamaro, and I'm the director of the American Labor Museum. And I'm Evelyn Hershey, the education director. And I'm Robert Ledley, the office manager. A few days ago on Sunday, March 8th, the American Labor Museum hosted a celebration in honor of International Women's Day. We had close to 100 people in attendance, men, women, and children, and had a spectacular day. We're still celebrating the memory of it, so we're going to share some of the highlights of that day with you. When everyone came, we distributed a beautiful flower by the name of a mimosa, and Robert is going to share with you the reason why we chose that, that flower. Historians uh, don't agree when and what, why the act of giving mimosas began, but there's documented evidence that men in Rome on March 8th, 1946, gave the fragrant flowers to their wives, mothers, sisters, and daughters as a sign of love and appreciation. And nowadays in Italy, women also hand the flowers to other women as a sign of solidarity. It's unheard of for women who work that day to uh, receive uh, flowers from female customers and clients and uh, have them kind of pile up at the uh, front desk. Prior to the Second World War, uh, International Women's Day was celebrated various days in this time of the year. But in 1945, the Union of Italian Women voted to fix a day annually on March 8th. The reason was to commemorate two events. The first was the women garment workers in New York who struck on March 8th, 1857, and whose strike was broken up by police, and that led later to the formation of the first women's union in the U.S. And the second event was the Bread and Priest strike during World War I by a Russian woman on March 8, 1917. Thank you, Robert. And I did read that the mimosa has become the official flower of Women's Day. And the other part that we don't really pay much attention to is that the because of the season, it comes in full bloom around that time of year. Mm-hmm. During the event on Sunday, we had several speakers come to address the group. One woman who was invited is Maria Gillen, and Maria is the director of the Passaic County Cultural and Heritage Council, and this council supports many of the events that we have here at the museum, and we are now featuring a wonderful exhibit entitled Union Made, Fashioning America in the 20th Century, which is sponsored by the Passaic County Culture and Heritage Council through a grant from the New Jersey Council on the Arts. Maria, unfortunately, couldn't be with us on Sunday, but Evelyn Hershey, our education director, read a poem by Maria and is going to share it with you right now. The poem by Maria Maziotti Gillen is entitled Public School Number 18, Patterson, New Jersey. Miss Wilson's eyes, opaque as blue glass, fix on me. We must speak English now, we're in America. I want to say I am American, but the evidence is stacked against me. My mother scrubs my scalp raw, wraps my shining hair in white rags to make it curl. Miss Wilson drags me to the window, checks my hair for lice. My face wants to hide. At home, my words smooth in my mouth. I chatter and am proud. 
In school, I am silent. Grope for the right English words. Fear the Italian word will sprout from my mouth like a rose. Fear the progression of teachers in their sprigged dresses, their Anglo-Saxon faces. Without words, they tell me to be ashamed. I am. I deny that booted country even from myself. Want to be still and untouchable as these women who teach me to hate myself. Years later, in a White House in Kansas City, a psychology professor tells me I remind him of the mafia leader on the cover of Time magazine. My anger spits venomous from my mouth. I am proud of my mother, dressed all in black. Proud of my father with his broken tongue. Proud of the laughter and noise of our house. Remember me, ladies, the silent one. I have found my voice, and my rage will blow your house down. Oh, that is so moving! And Maria Gillen is an accomplished poet, has performed internationally, and we sell her books of poetry in our museum store. And. Last but certainly not least, we are going to play for you a recording of a 106-year-young woman who is the daughter of one of the first-time voters 100 years ago in 1920. Sisters and brothers, please listen to the voice of Juliet. Bernstein. To all of these beautiful people. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, Angelica. Greetings from Chatham, Massachusetts, Mr. Howard, New Jersey. Yeah! I'm glad to hear that. I am Juliet Bernstein. Retired teacher from New York City. I was born in New York State on a farm which was a boarding house too. It was 100 miles from New York City. It was known as the Borscht Belt. I remember very clearly when my mother voted for the very first time. It left quite an impression on me. I was only seven. Born on July 2nd, 1913. We all went to the polls in, at Montgomery Valley, five miles from home. In the two, in the two horse surrey with a fringe on top. My parents and my siblings. My older sister was almost ten. My younger sister was not quite five. My baby brother, who was six months old only. My parents both voted for Eugene V. Doug. That's all I can remember. I am still a union member. Local 2. I receive a pension 
as well as Social Security because of that. That's one of the few states that has that. I'm glad you are celebrating a hundred years of women's suffrage. In Chatham, we have a July 4th parade for the theme each year. This year, the theme is Chatham Celebrates Women to honor the the 100th year anniversary. It was suggested by me. I am no longer an activist. All I can do is write letters because I am much too old and I'm not really able to do the things I had done. But I'm thinking about you and I think it's great that you have that wonderful anniversary every year. Okay. Thank you very much for letting me be So we close on that very inspiring note, solidarity forever, until next week.